showtime. Grandson who sings just like Sancho Franchi. Yeah, right, I'm taking it myself, right? No, no, come on, I just don't want to sing it. I need to go to the sing it just to make Andrea Bocelli. This is Sancho Franchi, Andrea Bocelli, going through the three tenors here. I have to go on stage. She said, no, come on, listen. I said, okay, I'll listen. She pressed play on the tape recorder. My hand to God, it sounded just like Andrea Bocelli. I said, Signora, you weren't kidding. Your grandson does sound just like Andrea Bocelli. She said, well, that was Andrea Bocelli. But my grandson is singing just like that. It's not often that you get to hear opera and stand-up comedy in the same show. But our guest tonight weaves both in seamlessly. Please welcome to the Rosie and Bill Show, tenor Aaron Caruso. Aaron, welcome to the show. Hello. Hi, guys. Hi, Rosie and Bill. Great to see you. Thank you for having me. It's our pleasure. You and your hair are welcome here anytime. Thank you. Thank you. It's, uh, it's in the contract. You have to mention my hair, okay? You know, I mean, look at it. I, I, I may actually be just a little bit jealous there. Uh, Bill, you've got great hair. What are you talking about? <laughs> hey, I think we both got wind tunnel tested dues. I think, I think I'm safe in saying that. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. This could sustain 60 to 80 mile an hour winds for hours. <laughs> and Aaron has, you have a little bit of the Dolph thing going on, and Aaron has a little bit of the Elvis quaff. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Um, there's a little bit of Elvis here. There's some Mario Lanza. <laughs> oh, there's yeah. Yes, of course. Classic Pompadour. They got the shine going. There's a lot. I mean, I wouldn't want anyone to light a, a match within about five feet of my head. <laughs> a lot of Aquanet going on here, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. There's even a little bit of uh, early Roberto Ridarelli in there, too. That's right. That's right. Bobby Rydell. Yeah. There you go. I, do. I get that okay. What a great, great interview you guys did with the legend, Bobby Rydell. Wow. Great. You guys have a great show. I'm honored to be here. Thank oh, you so thank much. You. Appreciate that, Aaron. Thank you so much. Yeah. Now, I, I've got to ask you something, though. We just talked about that blend of opera and comedy. And you received rave reviews from one of the all-time great comedians, Joan Rivers. So I have to ask, how did you come to meet Joan, and how did she get to see your act? Joan actually was playing at a... Um, a, a dinner theater here in Michigan called Andiamo's. And he brings in national acts. Uh, at that time, it was uh, Regis Philbin. Uh, he was bringing in Tom Jones and all these great, great. And of course, Joan Rivers was on the, the docket as well. So he suggested, you know, would you like to open up for uh, Joan Rivers? That was my good friend, Joe Vicari. And I said, what I like to, I would, I'd be honored, you know, she's, she's the best. 
So that's how it started. And it, it didn't take the first time. She came up to me afterwards and she was very, very, you know, excited. She, oh, oh, you want to uh, call my agent, call my agent in LA. But, you know, nobody told me who her agent was. So I, <laughs> I spent a year kind of trying to figure out who the hell is her agent. So then she came back and uh, I opened up again and she knew me at that time we had a rapport. And this time she just insisted on it. She's no, no, she said, I'm, I'm gonna take you with me. We're gonna go on tour. And, uh, and I was able to work with her for a couple, couple of years before she ultimately passed away. That was sad, Aaron. Yeah. You know, she was so kind and so nice. Nothing like you would imagine. I think we all know that, you know, being from Brooklyn and being in show business, all those with those thingy one-liners that, you know, she would have an edge to her. She did have an edge. But I never saw. She was the kindest and sweetest. She was like my adopted Jewish grandmother. Oh, <laughs> it's so yeah. nice to hear, you know, kind things about famous people because you know you hear a lot of horror stories. And whenever someone's really humble and and nice to people they work with and take them under their wing, that's always encouraging. It really is because, uh, especially with someone such a legend like that who has worked with everybody, seen everybody, and and I tell you what, I wasn't prepared for her stand-up. Why is it that? Was, it was so shocking, Rosie. <laughs> oh my gosh! I mean, she kind of comes out and hits you right between the eyes, and it, and it it would make a longshoreman blush. Let's put it that way. Wow. <laughs> It, it wasn't uh, the offender. <laughs> ex that's exactly what she was. And it was almost like she was grandfathered in before everybody was so sensitive about everything. So she made fun of everybody equally. <laughs> well, if she made you blush, that's saying something. So good for her. <laughs> I mean, and I loved her. I, it was a little, I, I'm more uh, reserved. I don't, any kind of little a little bit of jokes or anything that I do in the show, I, I'm always clean and I don't I don't cross that barrier. She did it at the right time. She knew what she was doing. But I actually saw people walk out because a lot of people, you know, they say, "Let's bring Grandma." Oh, it's Joan Rivers, and here she starts effing and this and right, that. I mean, right, right. It's you're you don't know what to say. But Aaron, she really admired what you did in your show. Tell us about that with, with the blend. Well, she was very kind to me. And um, she said, Aaron, I, I, I frequently work with either comics or singers. And it's you're the first one in my entire career that does both. So I'm a singer first, but I, I worked with a guy in Reno, Nevada named Danny Morona. And Danny is a name you guys probably never heard of him. He was a, you know, 13-time uh, Entertainer of the Year at uh, in Reno. He was big in the San Francisco Bay Area, and he toured a lot of different casinos. Never became a household name. Did very well for himself uh, financially and really taught me a lot about the business end of singing and the, uh, the music business. But uh, uh, Danny was the one that kind of helped me first to bring out my... He said, Aaron, you're not a comedian, but... Um, he said, I'm not trying to turn you into a comedian, rather. He said, but it's always nice to have a little bit of levity in a show for people that may not be into opera 
or serious music or Broadway, you know, let them have a good time too. And I, I found that to be true and I kind of built on that and, and that's, so when I ended up with Joan and she was so kind to say that. And that's why your show appeals to just so many people of all ages. And the thing I love about you when you perform is that you make everyone feel special. Now, women take to you, of course, but, but the men in the audience stick around too, because you really, you know, like I said, you, you, you make fun of yourself, you know, you don't take yourself too seriously. So no one's threatened, but you, I noticed that you always, and you told us this in Trey Bella, you know, go up to that person that's standing right in the front of the stage and sing to them, or you'll go down in the crowd and you dance with the older ladies and, and it's just beautiful. Well, I, okay. So Rosie, as you know, and Bill, as you know, from deal, you know, doing so many interviews and dealing with people, being in the business, not all, and this may be a shock to your listeners, not all of us are love people. There are some people that are just insanely talented at what they do, and they really hate people. They don't hate people at all. <laughs> and they should never go down and talk to people and you know, get them out of there as soon as they get off stage. And uh, I'm the opposite of that. I, I love people. I'm like you, like both of you guys are. I know you guys love people. You wouldn't be doing this. So um, it's very easy for me to do that. And actually, that's where the real me comes out. And I get to be myself and, and really enjoy myself besides getting up there doing my job. Just grab my pen. But I don't wear, I don't let the evening get me down. Now that you Life is brief, and once a page is read, oh, but love is dead. This is my belief. But you like that too, Rosie. We try. We have fun. But it, but it is nice. I always remember you saying that because it, was, it seemed really important to you to make people feel special and, and appreciate it. And, and you do it very well. Um, but we want to go back for, for a moment to growing up. What was it like growing up in the Caruso household? Did you always want to sing opera? Was there a lot of music in your house? So I... I was the, really the only one. My, my father was a, a worked on a dock. Uh, I was a truck driver and, and uh, really didn't understand anything about what I was doing. You know, like, what are you, what are you, what are you? Come on, you singing? Get a job, <laughs> lift something, go join the union. You know, it really, it just didn't, to this day, I really don't think he's still kind of, it wasn't until I started having success at it and paying all my bills and all that stuff with, with singing that he kind of got on board. My mother was the opposite, always, always encouraging me to pursue my passion, to follow my dreams, as it were, uh, like, like most moms, I think, are like that, the good ones anyway. So I got to pretty much to do what I want, you know, uh, 
uh, my dad kind of left me alone. I w a funny story though. I, before I went to Italy for the first time, I was 19 and my, my mom said, you know, go work with your dad and pick up some extra money, you know, when you go to Italy. I said, oh, that's a good idea. So here I'm this big kid, you know, I was always a big guy. And I go to work midnights with my father on this dock, unloading these tractor trailers. So we get there and what does he do? He says, sit down and shut up. So I sit down, I didn't do anything. My dad was doing all the work for the both of us. He wouldn't let me do anything. I said, dad, come on, just sit down and shut up. I don't want you to get hurt. <laughs> they, they caught on. So uh, they put me with another guy, a buddy of his. And I was working really hard, you know, putting everything in the, on the truck and on the pallets, getting everything off and everything. And the guy comes up to me, he goes, hey, I know who your dad is. I said, yeah. He said, slow down. Said, slow down? What do you mean? He goes, you're making us look bad over here. <laughs> if we're going to work that hard, we all got to work that hard. So that was, the, so yeah, my dad was a hard worker. Didn't understand anything about music, nothing. I mean, just didn't want to hear it. My mother was the one that encouraged that. So, um, yeah, we all played piano from the time I was little. I have a younger brother who's handicapped, has cerebral palsy. And uh, he only has use of one of his hands. And he had to play, take piano lessons as well, all of us. And I have an older sister. So we all three took lessons, and I was the only one that really stuck with it. So uh, play something for us. I, I hated this classical music. I had to play this crap every third, every night, three o'clock. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I wanted to do Jerry Lee Lewis, you know. That's what I wanted to do. <laughs> Aaron, I got to tell you, not, not even Zoom can mess that up. That sounds great. <laughs> oh, you, you never know with these things. Well, where did the Italian come in, though? Like, did you grow up singing like Lou Monti and Jerry Vale and all those guys? I grew up uh, listening to records of Jerry Vale, Sergio Franchi, Mario Lanza, the crooners. My grandparents um, had a big record collection, and I used to dive into it because they died when I was very young, so I didn't get to know them but I felt like I got to know them through the music and through the records that I would listen to. And I just didn't realize they had a killer record collection. And I would be listening to this stuff and I was just fascinated by the music. But I started playing piano first. And it wasn't until I um, was playing football at a, a local park in Michigan where I grew up. And I had a, a necklace, like a, like a face of Jesus and a little cross. And I think it was my grandfather's. And then it got ripped off my neck, unbeknownst to me. And I lost it. So, you know, like a week later, I finally got the courage up to tell my mom. I said, Ma, I lost my the necklace. What? Oh, my God. Where'd you lose it? At the football thing. Get back there right now and find it. I'm going to say a prayer to St. Anthony. Anthony that you're going to find these medals. And uh, I said, Ma, you don't know what you're talking about. They, 
they come with those metal detectors. I'm telling you, it's gone. She said, get back there right now. So I did. I got out of the car. My hand to God, this is my right hand. I took eight steps out of the car. I looked between my feet and there was the necklace. Intact. I swear to God. So I went home. I said, Ma, I found the necklace. She said, I knew you would because I said that prayer to St. Anthony. I said, well, what did you say to St. Anthony? And she said, well, I promised him that you would, I know you play piano, but I promised him that you would sing for him in church one day. I said, Ma, I'm a piano player. What, what are you, I'm not a singer. She said, well, you better start singing. And I did. And I ended up singing in church for St. Anthony. True story. Let's, let's move a little farther along in the story then. So that's how you started singing. And you talked about growing up in Michigan, but yeah. there came a time when you went from Michigan to New York. So tell us what led to that move from Michigan to New York. I, I went to school at the University of Michigan for vocal performance. And um, I actually minored in Italian language because it was easy for me. So I picked up a minor. And... Uh, at school, I met a dear friend of mine who's now singing at the Metropolitan Opera, my buddy Ross. And Ross had this new teacher in New York City, this maestro from Rome, from the Rome Opera House, and was really doing amazing things with his voice. So we were getting close to graduating, and I said, you know, this, this maestro, I'd like to meet him. So we got on a train, went to New York, that was an interesting 18-hour train ride from Michigan, but that's another story altogether. Met the maestro, and I mean, he was a trip. Uh, I tell you, this guy was like, I'm glad he was a benevolent person because he could have been like, he could have been like one of those gurus that controlled people and, and you know, they gave him all his money or something. He was just such a commanding force, you know. And I'll never forget the first lesson we walked in his, his apartment in New York City. He said, he looked at me and he said, but you are a tenor. I said, yes, yes, I am, maestro. Can you do this? Hang! I said, no. He said, then you are not a tenor, but you will be one if you study with me. <laughs> So, I mean, you know, how could I not is this study with this guy? I mean, moved to New York. Uh, I was living in Newark, New Jersey. Shout out to our Newark, our Jersey crew. Uh, it was kind of scary where I lived, though. Um, really, really, a little Ukrainian sect of uh, section of, of Newark, New Jersey. Luckily, I didn't stay there long, and I found the Italians. And I moved in with this kid, Joe. And I kept studying with the maestro, kept, because I wanted to learn how to sing those high notes. That, that note I just sang was a high C, of course, the, the famous high C. Took me 20 years, well, I would say 10 years to kind of learn the, the concept on how to do it, but to perfect it, it took me about 15, 20 years. Wow. Well, yeah. that's something I can personally attest to that you have in your back pocket like that. You, you can do that in a show or like you just did at the drop of a hat. So congratulations. Thanks to the maestro. Thanks Thank you, maestro. maestro. Maestro Luigi. May he rest in peace. He was a great, great guy. Oh.
fun times. You had a lot of success once you moved to New York. Um, you know, what are some of the highlights? I went to a restaurant in Jersey, in Hoboken, and uh, I met this little Italian guy, oh, power surge there. And uh, his name was Fortunato. I think he has passed away, had a restaurant in Hoboken called Tutta Pasta. Well, his partner was Danny Aiello, the movie actor, another, you know, rest in peace, great, great guy. Um, and we started talking and blah, blah, blah. Next thing you know, so what do you do for a living? I want to die. I said, well, I, you know, I'm, I'm working in an office shop now, but I really, I'm a singer. That's my real passion. Oh, yeah. And let's hear you sing. Come on, sing a song. <laughs> you know, it's always a, you know, a challenge. You got to, you know. So I get up and do my best solo meal at the restaurant. And, and the place goes crazy. And the guy goes crazy. Oh, my God. He goes, you got to meet my, my business partner. His name is Danny Aiello. You know, the movie actor, Danny Aiello. I said, I love Danny Aiello. He said, give me your phone number. When Danny comes in, I'm going to call you. And I want you to come back and sing for Danny. I said, oh, my God, there is a God. And he heard my prayers. I loved Danny Aiello. A week later, I get the call. I'm in the middle of a business meeting of this office job I have. Hello, Ed. This is Fortunato. You remember me? I said, uh, well, how many Italians do I know named Fortunato that talk like that? <laughs> yeah, I remember you. Danielle's coming this afternoon. Can you come? So yeah. So I, I arranged everything to get her. I get to the restaurant. I walk in the restaurant. Who's sitting there? Danny Aiello. The first thing he says, he's looking at me, he goes, you know who you look like? I said, who? He said, Mario Lanza. I said, oh my God, Lanza was my idol. Mario Lanza is my idol. So yeah, yeah. We started talking, you know, and, and I said, I remember in your movie, uh, what was that movie about the lottery ticket uh, with Frank Pesh, 29th Street or something like that was the name of it? Oh, yeah, I, mean, I think so, yeah. I think it was 29th Street. Uh, and, I, and I feel like a jerk if I misquoted, I think it's 29th Street. Anyway, I said, you, you put that part in about Mario Lanza when you're in front of the, uh, the theater. You know, it says the great Caruso with Mario Lanza. He goes, go outside and look at my car. Look at my license plate. And it said 29th Street. He said, that was my favorite movie too. So he said, do you know Sonny Grasso, the movie actor, uh, the movie producer? I said, well, I know of him. I've met him, you know. He said, well, I'm going to reintroduce you to Sonny. He knew that they were do, about to do a nationwide search for Mario Lanza for this Broadway show because he had just talked to Sonny about it. So then here I walk in, you know, and I sing for him and he goes crazy and everything. So he gets Sonny on the phone. Sonny, Danny, I yell. Yeah, listen, I got this kid here, Caruso. You know him? He says, uh, yeah, he says, well, we're, we're looking for uh, the next Mario Lanza. He's got him on speaker. He said, Phil Ramon, the, the famous uh, music producer, and I, Sonny Grasso, are about to go on A&E and do a nationwide search for the, for the new Mario Lanza. And Danny Allen goes, he's right here. He's right here. 
just like in the movie. I couldn't believe it. He's right here. Sonny, he's right here. So next thing you know, I'm on the 76th floor of this, this uh, high-rise building. It's Sonny Grasso's office in the east side of Manhattan. Okay? He set the meeting up. I walk in, Sonny's on the phone, you know, he's, he's not even, he's just like kind of looking at me, you know, and he goes, you know, he didn't even say, hold on. And I sit down for like 15 minutes, Tony's, Sonny's having this conversation, you know. He gets done, he looks at me, he says, I thought you were fat. I said, I didn't mean to disappoint you, but I, you know, he said, but last time I saw you, you were fat. You look good, kid. And from there, they picked me to do Mario Lanza and et cetera, et cetera. But that's my, one of my very, very dear and true exciting stories about New York. Only well, in New York. I have to, to say that we did not know each other at the time, but I had done a play uh, where Sonny Grasso came to see and, and whatever. So I was kind of introduced with him. So I went to see uh kind of it wasn't a staged reading but some kind of pre you know um production of this mario lanza play your yeah. play with music whatever you would call it i don't know if they you know build it as musical, a musical. they were calling it a musical yeah okay. it was, it's a musical. yeah and and there was this young guy uh that was playing mario lanza and afterwards i remember you were walking up the aisle and I, I just said, hi, great job, you know, and it was Aaron. And oh little, little did I know years later, of course, we would meet, but I actually saw you do that part. It was amazing. It's destiny that we met, Rosie. Yes. I, uh, well, you and I, and I was telling you this before, for all your listeners that don't know uh, Rosie's career, and I'm going to brag about her for a second, we are the Mutual Admiration Society because I saw Rosie act on stage and I've heard her sing many times and I'm always blown away with the work she does there and with Trey Bella and Joanne and, and everybody, we, just wonderful. But your acting was like, I was, I, I, I was riveted by uh, your portrayal. When you turned it on, um, I, I was very, very impressed. So. I'm just gonna tell your audience. I'm sure they may know that, they may not know it, but um, you, you're a heck of an actor as well as a singer too, so. Thank you, you so much, Aaron, thank you. And uh, we're gonna take a quick break because uh, we have our own maestro of fitness, uh, Coach Lombardi, we'll be right back. Thanks, Rosie and Bill. I'm Coach Lombardi coming to you from sunny and cold Los Angeles. It's 79 degrees today. Today, I'm gonna to show you how to steal your workout. Now, the number one excuse I get from most people is they don't have enough time to work out. So here are five tips on how to steal your workout by stealing moments in your day. Short bursts of activity are proven to increase fitness levels. So number one, if you're somebody who still gets a newspaper, and I hope you are, when you go outside in the morning to get it, take a brisk walk around the block. Number two, if you care for a child or elderly parent, hop on a bike, treadmill, or take a walk outside while they're taking a nap. 
Number three, do a post-dinner walk or another activity like shooting baskets with your child. Number four, while doing your nighttime skincare regimen, keep some dumbbells nearby and do some bicep curls and maybe some squats while your face mask is doing its thing. And number five, if you're actually at work right now or even working from home, on your breaks, spend five to 10 minutes climbing stairs or jogging in place if you don't have stairs. And remember, if you have a question, please send it to the address below. I'm Coach Lombardi for The Rosie and Bill Show. See you next time. All right, thanks as always, Coach. Another great tip from Coach Lombardi. Now, Aaron, in addition to your flourishing solo career, you're also a member of the Sicilian Tenors. Now, I have to ask, first and foremost, is there a DNA test required to be a member of the group to prove that you're Sicilian? Yes. Yes, there is. Uh, your name has to end in a vowel. Oh. And uh, Can it just have a couple vowels in it, or does it have to end in a vowel? It could have a few. It just, you know, like we had an Irish guy, an Irish tenor that wanted to be, uh, his name was uh, O'Malley. And we just put the O at the end. And it was, <laughs> Malley. In all seriousness, Aaron, what, what can yeah. people expect to see if they come to see the tenors perform? Well, it's very similar to my show, uh, but there are three of us, uh, Elio Scaccio, Sam Vitale, Myself, Sammy and I were buddies from uh, University of Michigan. And Elio, uh, we just picked him off at a rest stop on 95 somewhere. I don't know where we found him. He, he, he he's from Baltimore. And uh, Elio and I have been friends for about 10 years now. So over 10 years, excuse me, going on 15 almost. And uh, when I did my, I, I did a concert actually at uh, Carnegie Hall uh a while ago and i invited them to be a part of it and that's how we were born incidentally rosie i'm going to be at carnegie hall in june of 2021 oh my god that's fantastic wow i have two tickets to hear andrea bocelli <laughs> <laughs> oh you get me all night <laughs> i had to do it i just had to say but I, no, I have done several, a couple shows at uh, Carnegie Hall. And back to the tenors, we're working on a very exciting project now for, um, for PBS. With, uh, you know, with COVID and 2020 being what it is, through the wonder of technology, I have a wonderful uh, cinematographer out here in Michigan that we're using. And what we're doing are making music videos to our entire CD. And we're going to put them all together and, and um, work with PBS on that. So that's uh, upcoming. So I'll let you guys know when that happens. For sure. But, uh, Maybe we'll have all the tenors on. That'll be great. We're, we were in uh, Las Vegas recently, uh, well before COVID, and uh, the guy that was, <laughs> was introduced to us, he introduced us as the Sicilian Tenders. <laughs> <laughs> is that like chicken tenders with a little tomato sauce or what? What's going on? Tenders. Chicken tenders with an attitude. Yeah, the tenders. <laughs> the tenders. So, uh, it's a fun show. It's not your typical night at the opera. We do some operatic stuff, some classic Broadway stuff, but we also do a lot of the hand clappers and. The <laughs> 
know, the Luna Menzumaris and the Furiculi Furicula. We give a little bit of historical stuff. It's, you know, Joan Rivers also heard the tenors and called us uh, uh, Luciano Pavarotti meets the Rat Pack. She really liked our show. You know, we co-headlined with Il Volo in Washington, uh, the, the NIAF event. So that was exciting and, you know, done stuff all over New York. We sang in the NBC studios, uh, Cipriani, we've done stuff. I mean, just all over the place. So a lot of fun working with your friends, as you That's guys know. Yes, and I've seen your show with the tenors. In fact, you, you actually were kind enough to invite Trey Bell on last year or a year ago at the Columbus Festival. They, they were so much fun. They invited us to, to sing, you know, along with a couple of the Italian songs. I always love when you do Angelina. I just think oh. that's such cute. It's a, such a cute song. Do a little bit of that. I eat antipasto twice just because she is so nice, Angelina. Angelina, the waitress at the Vincenia. Great. That's awesome. You don't get that at the Olive Garden, only here on the Rosie and Bill show. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. <laughs> oh. That's fun it. times. Yeah, we, yeah. we have a lot of fun. I do want to say this, this one story, Aaron, with you. You know, you're great with the tenors. You're great in your solo career. But the one thing about you that is the same is that you're a consummate performer. No matter what happens, and I can personally attest to this because a couple of years ago, we were in Canton, Ohio, and Trey Bella was performing. Aaron was going on after us. And the skies opened up. The, the, it was this horrible, horrible storm, but they had a tent. So the diehards were there under the tent. And at the very end of our show, the power went out. But that didn't stop Aaron. Aaron went on, came down off the stage into the audience and did an entire show. Aaron, you were incredible. You know, I must have been really drunk because I do not remember. The, no, no, I, I do remember that. Well, I figured, you know what? I have a, I'm loud. I have a big mouth. I felt so bad. That's why I love the Italian festivals. And I think you guys know, anybody that's been to an Italian festival, you have the tradition of family. You have grandma, nonna, you know, you have uncles, you have the young kids, the older ones, pizza, fun. And, and just to be there and not, you know, these people look forward to that every year. So I said, you know, let's give them a few songs. And, and that is what we did. I remember that. Oh, my goodness. Wow. I, I'm surprised you remember that. Yeah, you guys were on before me. Yeah. And the power, the power went out. And your voice is so powerful. You just, it didn't phase you. I mean, we were sitting in the audience just, you know, dumbfounded. I have a big mouth. That's what it is. You know? You know, I, I just wanted to step in here, Aaron, because I have to tell you, and kudos to you for doing that. Rosie had shared that story with me previously, and I just, I think it's amazing. And, you know, even though I'm not Italian, uh, I have attended quite a few of these festivals. I've seen Trey Bella several times. And a couple of years back, the Louis Venaria band invited me up on stage to do something I haven't done in 100 years and belt out a few tunes. So that nice. But my question for you is, at all these festivals, now Rosie just shared just an incredible story of something you did. 
But is there a crazy or fun story that you can look back on that you could share with us right now from one of the festivals? <laughs> there, the, I have a lot of stories about uh, being on stage and stuff going nuts, you know, going crazy. As anyone who's been on stage for however long I've been on stage now, I guess, I don't know, 20 some years, 25, 30 years. Uh, uh, I had a lady that wanted to fight me one time, a woman. Why? I was in Ohio at a little tiny little festival in Wellsville, Ohio, which is a little town not too far from Steubenville where they have the Dean Martin Festival and all that. And I, I don't know what I did. I think she was drinking. She was dancing the whole time. And, and I, I don't know if it was because I was from Michigan and they have this Ohio State-Michigan rivalry. I know what it was. This poor thing got so drunk, she wanted to hear, do that some more. And I had already done that some more. So I said, I already did that some more. She said, you son of a bitch, I'm gonna get you. So I got off stage to go sell my CDs. And here comes this lady. Come on, come on, let's see what you got. Come on, you son of a, and this big guy, you know, this guy's no way I'll take care of her, you know. But I had to have security come and remove this lady at my CD booth. <sighs> I can't make it up. I can't make it up. Aaron, have you ever um, like forgotten, completely gone blank on stage? Yes, but I'm good at making stuff up. <laughs> I learned at a young age being a, you know, I played piano since I was four. So I was always from that school of, no matter what, just keep going. And it took a little while, but once you learn that lesson, as you guys know, being in this business and, and the other things you do, once you learn that, you, you don't unlearn it. So whenever I sing the Phantom of the Opera duet, uh, all I ask is every waking moment, I make the entire thing up. I can never remember the exact <laughs> words to the friggin' song. So it gets so bad that the soprano will start laughing. You know, like, how hard is it to learn? The, how many thousands of times have you sung it? So I just use it as an exercise in improvising and rhyming. I'd love to hear some of the stuff you say. Oh my gosh. Oh, I'm nuts. And I'll do it in Italian, too. Sometimes I forget to, I'll make up Italian words and see if I can rhyme them on the spot because I get bored. Like, wow. Well, that's because you're fluent in the language. We were in Reno, Nevada a couple years ago, and I think you were there. And it was so cold, Bill. It was so cold that halfway through the show, my mouth had frozen. And we were singing something <laughs> in Italian. And I couldn't make the vowels, you know what I mean? <laughs> so the, the Italian came out completely botched, but I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't do anything about it. Like my mouth wouldn't move. It was just, it was crazy. But anyway, oh my gosh, Aaron, this is so much fun. We are so happy to have you on the show. We want you to come back, especially, you know, maybe with the tenors to promote your PBS special. Absolutely. And, uh, I love Philly. I, one of my favorite places. 
I sang at one of their festivals there last summer, and right in South Philly. Oh, you did the Ninth Street Festival? Yes. Aw, that's a great festival. With my dear friend, uh, Jenna Esposito. She asked me to do it, got me involved with those people. It's so funny how many Italians came from South Philly and became famous. Yeah. And I'll take it a step further. They're all Abruzzese. Every wow. one of them. Lanza, El Martino, uh, Bobby Rydell, you name it. I mean, even uh, Dean Martin, Abruzzese, Pericomo, Abruzzese. It seems like they have uh, something in the food or in the water. Yeah, or in there. the water over there. What are they drinking over there? <laughs> or what are they drinking in South Philly? City water, baby. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Unfiltered. <laughs> yeah, right, right. The good stuff. Yeah. Again, Aaron, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. And like Rosie said, we look forward to having you back on with the tenors. And good luck with getting everything ready for that upcoming special. We look forward to hearing more about that. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Thank you for your time. And I got to tell you, I caught that one, Rosie. Good. It's a real, real treasure and a pleasure to be, uh, be on your show. And all the best to your listeners and your viewers. And I look very forward to doing this again with you guys. All right, so do we. Folks, yeah. as always, make a difference for someone every day. And make every day a great day. Thanks for watching, and we'll see you next week.